Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Ag View Pitch. Today you have just me, Shay Folk, here coming to you from Fargo, North Dakota. And it's actually one of my more pleasant trips to Fargo in February. Uh, normally when I'm up here, it's like negative 20 and the wind's blowing 100 mile an hour and snow everywhere. Uh, but it's 38 and sunny and just happy to be up in the region, I guess. Today's segment, uh, it's going to be a little bit shorter, but it's a question that we got in an email that I thought would be a great one to look at from a case study perspective. And as you're as you're listening to the episode today, what I would encourage you to think about is if there's a question that you have, if you'd like for us to do similar case studies, or if you have a quote unquote theoretical question that you think would provide value to listeners, uh, send it in to me, just shay at eggviewsolutions.com. We'd be happy to field some of these questions and hopefully provide value back to you directly. So this email uh, came from a gentleman we've worked with uh, a couple years ago here. He said, Shay, I'm attempting to buy out a neighbor and take over 1,200 acres. This will come with sheds, bins, and any or all of the equipment if I want it. I was wondering what some things I should consider are while he and I are having conversations. What are the best ways to handle the equipment and even the land rental agreement to ensure that I have the ground long enough to make the equipment purchases worth it? And then he went on to say, do you have any podcasts on this subject? Well, matter of fact, now we do. So first of all, great question. And and the thing that came to mind immediately, why I wanted to do a case study on this is more often than not, it's not people calling us asking, you know, should we take on 160 acres? Should we take on 200 acres? It seems as this consolidation continues to occur, as you have an age group that is looking to uh, retire and make changes, especially after a few years of higher profitability, that the acreage changes are coming in larger chunks, 400, 500, 1,000, 1,500, even 3,000 acres at a time. I mean, these are questions that we get from people of, can we take this on? And more importantly, how do we go about doing it? So the first thing that I would say in this scenario is equipment can be tricky. The land is a little bit more straightforward. The buildings and bins, uh, you know, appraisals can be done on that, especially if there's value there. You have to decide if you're taking over this site, if it's something that is going to be a hindrance to your operation. You know, are, are the buildings being run down? Do the bins have life and viability left in them? Or is it going to be a distraction from your operation? But those are pretty easy to deal with. The equipment is where it can get really tricky. So the first thing that I would say here is get a good valuation of the equipment. How we encourage people to do this is reach out to your local equipment dealers or an equipment dealer that you trust. Maybe you're not even doing business with them currently and say, I need a market valuation of this fleet of equipment. And so since this gentleman had an opportunity from a retiring farmer or someone that's looking to transition out, find someone that both of you are comfortable with and get that market valuation in place. And what this needs to be is what that equipment is worth today. Now, we are in an environment here at the beginning of 2023 where the equipment levels are pretty much at a record high. They've tapered off here a little bit in in the last few months. But used value has retained and even increased in valuation over the last few years. So I would caution um, for both parties to understand that 
you may need to do some discounting of this equipment when you go to transition out for buyout purposes. Now, you'd say, Shay, why, why do you say that? Why do I need to discount equipment if you're telling me that it's worth you know, X number of dollars? The reason for that, especially if you're looking to do a transition over you know, maybe five or seven or 10 years on a buyout, is we get calls all the time from people saying, well, we're in this 10-year buyout, but what I've started to realize is now I'm buying used equipment. And, and, and that's intuitive, but it's getting worn down. It's getting a lot of acres through it. I'm going to need to make trades along the way. So if you're buying it at full value right now, you're not going to be able to maybe do the replacement like you should down the road. And if it's an older fleet of equipment, one $50,000 engine repair might set you way back as you go through this transition and taking things over as opposed to having a little bit of a discount. The number two reason for taking a look at discounting uh, valuations of equipment is probably the more important one in the aspect of, you know, there's going to be tax repercussions from an equipment buyout. Nine times out of 10, the senior partner that's transitioning out is facing some sort of tax implications, whether you've uh, bulldozed deferred tax forward, or haven't dealt with what we call and what others in the industry have aptly called, you know, your final crop. How do you deal with this elephant in the room that is your final crop? And that means, you know, for years you've prepaid your expenses, um, you, you've held on to grain, you've taken grain income in the next year instead of taking it in the uh, current year for the crop growing conditions. And now all of a sudden you're left with a whole bunch of income staring you in the face you may not want to take that higher level of income. You would be better off having a reduced income over time to keep you within that lower tax bracket. Now, every situation is totally different. So if you're listening to this and you're a, you're a CPA or you're going through it or it's a totally different situation for yourself, I get it. That's fine. But understand that it might come to a point where it makes more sense for you to have a reduced buyout. Generally speaking, you know, we will we will do a discounted value on equipment or recommend a discounted value on equipment anywhere from 15 to 30 percent. Uh, sometimes it's higher than that. You know, sometimes we do it at 60 percent of the assessed equipment value because there might be a sizable amount of machinery. I mean, you might be looking at a million or two or more million dollars of equipment that's being transitioned over. The other thing is. And, and I don't weight this as heavily necessarily, but you have someone there that's willing to buy it, that's willing to take it in one chunk. And sure, the values are high right now, but if you were to hang on to that equipment for a year or two years or three years, there's nothing that says it's not going to fall off. And I don't know when the equipment market falls off. If you do, please write me an email. I would love to hear and, and have the crystal ball. I'll sell tickets and we can all go hang out on the beach together. But at some point, this is going to fall off. So how do we handle that? How do we manage those decisions that we need to make? Discounting is a way that we can take a look at that. The other thing is, you know, the question that was asked here, how do we handle this over a period of time? I agree wholeheartedly that you need to have a long-term rental uh, agreement in place on that land. That's, that's for multiple reasons, though. That's not just for the person that's going to be doing the renting. That's for the person that is transitioning that land so that you know that you're transitioning a to someone that's committed to caring for your land. Uh, B, you can project your income 
<clears throat> one of the hardest parts for people that are working on transition is what do I need for income into retirement? And more importantly, what is my steady source of income? Land is a great way to do that. So if you map out a five-year, a seven-year, a 10-year lease or rental agreement, that's great. And it doesn't have to be a fixed cash rent. Um, it could be a, a share crop. It could be a flex lease scenario where you have a base and a cap and you do some variation of, of price by yield in between or looking at it from a profitability standpoint. So having that long-term lease in place, I would agree is a great idea. One other thing to think about here, um, you could also do it as part of a land and equipment rental lease um, over a period of time. You might have a, a balloon buyout at the end of that. That would allow you to have just a whole number over the 1,200 acres, let's say just for simple math, you pay $200 for uh, the land and you pay $100 an acre for the equipment usage, that's $300 an acre. You know, 1,200 acres a year, you're gonna be contributing a fair amount of money you know, over time to accomplish that buyout. Now you gotta be careful about how that's written and you gotta make sure that all parties understand exactly what the expectations are there. But that's really all there is to it. I mean, make sure that you have a good valuation of that equipment. <clears throat> Consider a discount. Uh, and, and, and truly, that's, that's for both parties. We're not just saying that for the party that's going to be doing the buyout. You need to seriously consider and understand what your tax implications are if you're the person making this transition. Also, uh, just evaluating time. You know, time is a lot of, a lot of your uh, best resource and, and one of your best friends as you go through this. If you can amortize it over uh, a higher number of years or make it an easier bite to chew year over year, you're going to set up the next generation for success. And if you're the next generation that's taking over, it makes it much more palatable. It makes it much more easy to understand. So strongly look at extended timelines. And by the way, you know, one of the last things that I'm going to talk about here is, is expectations. So what, what are the expectations? You know, does the farmer want to continue to be involved? And, and have you asked that question? What does retirement look like for you? You know, what do you want to do? Do you still want to be involved in the farm? Do you want to show up? Do you want to do some tillage? You want to, you know, haul grain into town, run a combine? Do you have any expectations? Because there is a difference between financial transition and managerial transition. And sometimes people, after working their whole lives, they just want to show up and have fun farming and not have to worry about all the decisions. So maybe more importantly than all of this other stuff, all of the lease expectations or the timeline or the dollars that go into it is understanding, you know, is that person that's transitioning, are they going to have a good sense of purpose in their life? Do they know that their legacy is in good hands and do they want to continue be, to, to be a part of that legacy? It's pretty powerful if you can offer someone that opportunity that still wants to be a part of it. I promise you'll see a sparkle in their eyes and, and you'll have gratitude shown and reflected as a result of just asking that question. My final comment here to all of you is communicate and reassess. So just because you enter into a lease agreement doesn't mean it's done. You know, this is an evergreen process, not only for any other rental or lease agreement, but especially when it comes to transition, reassess, are you going to do a biannual review? Are you going to send quarterly updates on how things are going? 
are there expectations on, you know, when the money is going to come in? Is it a, is it an annual payment? Is it biannual? Is there flexibility if you have a bad year and reassess the situation, you know, go into it at the end of year one and say, Hey, how's this working for you? Is this, is this kind of what you expected? Is this okay? Do you want it to transition faster? A lot of times we'll have people that will enter into a seven or a 10 year transition and the senior partner's like, eh, you know what? I thought this was going to be more fun than it is. I'd kind of like to go spend more time in Arizona or go spend more time with the grandkids or, you know, just not have the stress of being involved in the farm operation. And that's okay too. If that's the case though, I want to make sure that you're protected in the lease, that you guys have a uh, buyout agreement. And if a balloon is expected at some point in time, that's where the discount comes back in. If you enter into a seven-year agreement or a 10-year, whatever it is, and in year four, the senior party decides that they're done, then there should definitely probably be you know, a discount on the remainder dollars that have not been transitioned because the new, the new party is going to have to go get that lending or it's going to be a bigger you know, chunk for them to bite off at that period of time. So those are my final comments here. Get evaluation. Think about a discount. Understand the time. Manage the expectations of the relationship and communicate and reassess, reassess, reassess constantly in everything that you do and with all of these relationships that you manage. If you guys like this segment, uh, reach out, let me know if you have other case studies or other situations that you're facing. doesn't matter if you're a client or working with us or not. Don't, don't even think about that. If you listen to this podcast, there's something that you want us to address. Reach out to me, Shay at eggviewsolutions.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will catch you next time on the Eggview Pitch.